RadioInfluence.com. Welcome in to a new episode of the MMA Report Podcast. I'm Jason Foy, as always, here on the midweek edition, or well, it's kind of the later week edition here on the MMA Report Podcast. I'm joined by Daniel Gavon. Daniel, great to be back with you. It's, it's been a while. You know, uh, you had Hurricane Ian kind of derail a podcast last week. Uh, did get a podcast out earlier this week with Mike Mazzulli. Uh, for everyone that's asking, Everything is well for me. Thankfully, uh, here in the Tampa area, we uh, did not have uh, really uh, much impact from hurricane outside of you know a lot of rain and, and wind. Got to send thoughts and prayers down to uh, the people down in the Fort Myers, Cape Coral, Sanibel Island area. They got massively just, I mean, homes destroyed, whatnot. So send those positive vibes down there. But everything's good on my end. Uh, and obviously, you're a Texas resident, so you know exactly what I was going through last week. Yeah, man, I, I know, and it's good to see that you're doing good and everything on your end's good, man, because it was scary. And I know hurricane season, it comes, you know, you have a normal week ahead of you, and all of a sudden you got to prepare to protect your house, evacuate, and just hope for the best. And, man, yeah, that uh, Fort Myers situation was just awful. I mean, I was watching the Weather Channel all day that day, and it just it was like out of a horror movie, and you've got to feel for them, but. You know, I'm glad you're safe and sound, my man. You know, we took a week. People thought may have thought we took a week off because uh, Mark Zuckerberg rented out the podcast studio, <laughs> but that wasn't the case. It was, uh, you know, it was all Hurricane Ian. Oh, oh, hey, Zuck, you can rent this studio out anytime you want, man. Anytime you want, you can rent this studio out. <laughs> yeah, I was thinking of just praising Mark Zuckerberg this entire podcast so we can get us um, more featured in the algorithm. I don't know if that's going to help at all. There is still something unique when you talk about, you know, how much of our world is, is run by big tech. We all know this, that you're talking about one of the most influential people on big tech. He's genuinely loves MMA. Yeah, which I don't know what that says about the sport, what that says about <laughs> him or what that says about us. But uh, yeah, it's a, I think it's a sport that really lends itself to being obsessed about it. You, you get the bug and you just you want more and more and more, bro. And, and I think mixed martial arts more so than anyone. Well, not more so. I think mixed martial arts has a lot of hardcore fans, bro. Like if you're a fan, you're a fan, do or die. You're going to watch every show and, and you're going to buy every show. But the question is, how many shows are you going to buy at some point? You know, you may not want to purchase a particular pay-per-view. It's going to test your hardcore fandom. Of course, uh, we'll mention about UFC 280. I got a little nugget for you that I threw out on Twitter the other day. I'll mention about that. But, you know, since we did do a podcast last week, I think one of the bigger news stories last week was the PFL has announced their inaugural pay-per-view is going to be on Black Friday, November the 25th. Biggest takeaway from this press release, Daniel, no doubt about it, is I'm scrolling through it. I'm like, okay, 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 okay. Oh, no price point mentioned. Biggest take, biggest takeaway. Now, it's being said that the price point it has not been determined. Okay. Part of me says I should take PFL at the world at the word. Part of me says I need to throw that anchorman gif out there. I don't believe you. I don't understand how they haven't determined a price point, right? Like this event's happening November 25th. You know, they have agreed to the most of the card. I think there's one showcase fight on the pay-per-view card that has not been announced. And Correct. God, I hope that's an interesting fight. 
this pay-per-view card needs it. But it it's um, it, it, I don't believe that they don't have a price point in mind when you are dealing with something like this that has must have had so much preparation and planning to execute because uh, it's a big money venture. And I think there's an opportunity they're looking for to get more money in their coffers from their product. And the idea that they don't have a price point, I just, uh, it, it doesn't make sense two months out that this major project, they don't have that idea of where they're going to sell it for. No no way they don't know what the price is. I, I think they know what the price is, but they did. Okay. Purely my perception on this situation. And of course, on Tuesday's podcast was all about perception versus reality. Uh, if you didn't check out that conversation I had with Mike Mazzulli, be sure to check that one out. But my perception is that they did not want the talking point of them going on their inaugural pay-per-view to be about the price point. Maybe I'm wrong. My gut feeling says they're right. Now, there was an interview a couple months ago that Aaron Bronster of TSN did with Don Davis, one of the head guys there at the PFL. He noted that, that they were looking at a pay-per-view price point of $50. I think that price point is going to turn off a lot of people. I know throughout my time, being a podcast host, reporter of this sport, a lot of promoters will say Thanksgiving weekend is just a weekend. You don't want to try to do a show. However, the PFL is a product that is more about a television aspect as opposed to a live gate aspect. I mean, so, I mean, I'm sure a lot of people will be sitting at home on Black Friday night. Pay-per-view is going to start at 8 p.m. Eastern time. The prelims, 6 p.m. each time. The prelims are going to be on ESPN Plus as uh, you'll have four fights a part of the ESPN Plus prelims. Then you've got seven yeah, seven fights a part of the main card. You mentioned about the showcase fight. I do wonder, could that potentially maybe an Aspen Ladd fight, just signing her? They said that she's going to be a part of the featherweight division in 2023, which I thought that was a little bit of an interesting note, that they're going to incorporate a featherweight division there, headlined by Kayla Harrison and Larissa Pacheco. And um, so I highlight something in the press release here, Daniel. I just want to get your thoughts. With a win, Harrison will become the first person to win three PFL titles. Okay. All right. That's true. This is the part that I want to get your thoughts on. And further boost her claim as the best female fighter in the world. Hey, man. They got to promote Kayla Harrison, you know, and they got to. They got to get people to buy this pay-per-view, bro. And uh, is she is, does beating Pacheco further her case of being the best female fighter in the world? No, she's already done it a couple times. <laughs> it's uh, it's not going to do that. And, and and I think she's still certainly behind Amanda Nunez, still certainly behind Valentina Shevchenko. And there isn't a fight currently in the PFL that I think moves the needle on her legacy from that standpoint. But PFL got a PFL, my man. They got to sell some pay-per-views. I don't know. You know, a $50 price point, is, it would be absurd to me. It's going to be – it's going to be – like, this is a pay-per-view where even if it was $20, if I wasn't doing a MMA podcast, I wouldn't buy it. Um, it's just – this is a product I've been accustomed to getting with my ESPN Plus subscription or watching on TV, this championship night of fights. And – there isn't a single championship fight that makes me think this is pay-per-view worthy. You know, like, am I looking forward to Stephen Ray versus Oliver Aben Mercier? I think that's a great fight. Yes. But none of these championship fights are making me like, I need to see it. I will watch this because we're covering the PFL. The Marlon Moraes Shane Burgos fight is a really good fight, but it's not a pay-per-view main event type fight. 
And a lot maybe depends on the other showcase fight, which when you look at the match placement that have been given, leads me to believe it's not going to be a marquee fight. I think siding Aspen Lat type fight is probably what we're going to get out of, out of there. So at the end of the day, I think the product that PFL is offering with their first ever pay-per-view is going to fall below the bar that would attract a casual mixed martial arts fan to purchase it. The Kayla Harrison fight isn't interesting. She's so dominant, and she's asserted herself as clearly better than Larissa Pacheco. There isn't that, like, that question of will she lose her undefeated streak? I don't think very many people have any uh, confidence that will happen, and, and that's how you sell a Kayla Harrison fight at this point is, is putting her up against people that are actually going to test her. This roster doesn't have that. Will I watch this? Absolutely sure. I got to. But, um, you know, I really think the price point for this should probably be $25, which I doubt it will be. That's the number that kind of came in my head. Uh, I mean, look, the PFL, because of the amount of money that they're paying for fighters, I think that they have to go this pay-per-view route in terms of, you know, in terms of making money. And, like, to me, I think if they go more than twenty nine ninety nine, I I just think that a lot of the MMA community, it's going to be a tough price point for people to say, I'm going to throw that out there. You got to mention two weeks prior to this, you've got the UFC pay-per-view at, at MSG, which is going to be a, a load up card. And then, of course, you got another pay-per-view two weeks later, uh, UFC 282, which we don't know the main event of that one. Could it be John Jones? Time is going to tell on that one, but I, I I think the top three fights are nice fights. Kayla Harrison, Pacheco, we, we know the storyline there. I mean, look, I think we all we all fully expect that Kayla Harrison's going to go out there and get the win. Lawfoy and Jenkins is a nice fight at 145 pounds. Uh, personally, I would have made Burgos versus Marl Marais. Marl Marais, that retirement lasted like, what, four months? Yeah, it felt like four days. Longer than Kevin Holland. I, it was longer than Kevin Holland, who may have set the record for Schwartz retirement in the history of the sport. And Conor McGregor was like, damn, he beat my record. Crap. Yeah. I think here's the other thing about this thing. The PFL. Okay. First and foremost, Jason, offhand, do you know how many pay-per-views Bellator sold when they did pay-per-view? Uh, I, I don't recall, but I don't, I think that maybe, God, I'm, I'm trying, I remember Spike put out a number for the Tito pay-per-view there in uh, Bellator 120. Did they do two pay-per-views? Yes. Oh, I didn't realize. Yeah. Because I'm I pretty feel sure. Like that's yeah, I'm pretty the- sure it's two. They did. Yeah, because it was that one. It wasn't the um, Bellator one thirty one. I think it was on pay per view too. Uh, so literally, I, I put Bellator one twenty pay per view buys. Bellator TV president confirms Bellator one twenty did a hundred thousand pay per view buys. Wow, that was twenty fourteen. That was twenty fourteen. By the way, that's crazy. I mean, I would be stunned if the PFL did a hundred thousand. I really don't think that's going to happen. Um. But that would probably be the bar to compare yourself to is a non-UFC promotion on pay-per-view. It just felt like those bell toys. The thing is this. You had to, when the PFL went to pay-per-view, they had to put on a fight that got people wanting to buy on pay-per-view. Because this is a product that's gotten their fans accustomed to not paying pay-per-view prices for it. They have accustomed to consuming it mostly on TV or streaming. Whenever you make that transition, which is a big transition from streaming to pay-per-view, you got to provide a legit reason for people to make that transition and make that jump with you. The card before us is not that. And I think setting the standard of we're going to have four pay-per-views a year, that's a really tall order for this PFL roster. It's a talented roster, 
but currently they don't have too many options for pay-per-view type fights that garner the casual interest you know outside the ufc the only type of success we've seen recently in combat sports non-boxing related is the celebrity fights which is just putting superstars against each other you know jake paul's fight cards have been really successful but he's a really famous person in his pay-per-views have sold really well because it's a story it's people care about jake paul and people are paying to see Tyron Woodley beat him. People are paying to see Ben Askren beat him. And there is that thought of it could happen in those fights. It seemed realistic that maybe Askren or Woodley would beat Jake Paul leading into those fights. That's before we realized how good of a boxer Jake was. So there was a really sell a good, strong selling point. Once again, just to reiterate, reiterate as good as this Burgos Moraes fight is, the selling point isn't there. This would be my advice to the PFL from a commercial aspect. And I'm talking about the restaurant bar side. I would work with ESPN plus to say, let's not make this a traditional pay-per-view for the bar and restaurant industry. Put it on ESPN plus for business. Now, for those who don't know what that is, ESPN plus for business. This is how, as in, in the restaurant bar industry, this is how we get UFC fight night cards. This is how we get, Dana White Contender Series, various college football games, various soccer matches. So like if I was the PFL, I would push ESPN Plus to try to sell the pay-per-view in that mass aspect because it is a cheaper route to go and potentially getting more eyeballs on your product in a bar environment. Because you know, I mean, look, we all know Thanksgiving Eve and the day after Thanksgiving, they're big bar days because no one's pretty much working. So like that would be my advice to to PFL in terms of this. I mean, look, if they set a price point of $49.99, it's going to be a tough sell. There's going to be a lot of people in the in the MMA community, the consumer side of this, and are going to go, man, that's just too much. By the way, mentioned by ESPN Plus for Business, a little nugget for you, UFC 280, which of course coming up here on October the 22nd there in Abu Dhabi, is not a traditional pay-per-view from the commercial side of the equation. As I got the email from Johan Promotions uh, earlier this week that uh, that car is going to be a part of ESPN Plus for Business, which uh, from the uh, restaurant and uh, bar side of the equation... Big fan of that decision. Big fan of that decision. Uh, early card there, 10 p.m., uh, 10 a.m. Uh, East Coast time for the prelims, 2 p.m. Uh, East Coast time uh, for the main card. Of course, 1 p.m. there in the Rio Grande where Daniel was at. But, I mean, look, you wish PFL all success in the world. I, I, I truly believe the best thing PFL has going for them right now is the fact of how many fighters do want to fight for them. And it's all because they're bringing the bag. I mean, Shane Burgos is going to the PFL because they're showing him the bag. Aspen Ladd going there because they're showing her the bag, that potential of winning a million dollars. Tiago Santos did an article this week. Uh, he did an interview on Guillermo Cruz's podcast. Uh, there was an article up on MMAfighting.com where we talked about that. He has the, the chance to make more money in the next year than he made in all of his UFC years combined, which is just a crazy stat. Yeah, for a guy who challenged for a light heavyweight championship and had a lot of UFC fights, that's a crazy statistic. And uh, yeah, I'm hoping the PFL is successful. They're going to have to go into promoter mode again. I, I just feel like the big selling point for this first pay-per-view is just, hey, we're on pay-per-view. That's the selling point. That's the marketing right now for the show. Buy PFL on pay-per-view, not buy for this reason. 
So hopefully they're successful. We'll be watching. Uh, but um, I, I do think to, to piggyback on what you're saying about the positives for the PFL and what separates them from non-EOC promotions, it is the, uh, the the roster. The roster continues to make good signings. They also do a good job of signing non-EOC fighters that have high talent levels that have had success in these tournaments. I mean, just, you know, look at look at these championship fights. There's some good fighters in here. You know, mm-hmm. you look at the low-name Jenkins fight. Uh, you look at the heavyweight matchup. You look at welterweight. You look at basically all the all the fights that aren't 155 and Larissa Pacheco. I believe that's non-UFC fighters that are in the championship fight. So they do a good job of that. And I think the second thing that's a strong point for them is uh, their partnership with ESPN. I mean, that's just a great platform for people to consume their product. You know, like it- Bellator had a great product this past weekend, aside from the Aaron Pico injury, but. I don't know how much buzz it had because it was on Showtime. But when I watched the product, I was like, this is a really damn good four or five main card. Yeah. ESPN advantage is big for PFL. Yeah, no, no question about it. I mean, I think this that this pay per view will tell us a lot about how much of a star Kayla Harrison is. It, it does she have that ability to get people to pay to watch her fight in terms of, of a premium content? Obviously, it'll be very big for her. Maybe potentially try to sell Chris Cyborg on a potential fight, whether that's a co promotion event with Bellator and the PFL, or whether ultimately it's Chris Cyborg coming to Bellator. I know Chris has done some interviews uh, where she's pretty much. Uh, I think she's pretty much made it clear that she's going back to Bellator. We'll see if the Cat Zingano fight happens or not. Um, before we kind of get into what happened last weekend, I want to get right into agree or disagree. And the first one I want to bring up is something I saw earlier today. Uh, came up on my Facebook timeline, but it was a over on BJPen.com where Shell Sonnen had a perfect opponent for Jake Paul in his MMA debut. Of course, Jake Paul, I want to say this was on with Ariel's show recently, where Jake Paul said, quote, I'm working with a big organization right now, a whole thing in MMA. It also has to do with me fighting, and we're going to have an announcement soon. Now, when I see that quote, the first thing that comes to my mind is Bellator because of Jake Paul's already being in a, a business relationship with Showtime. And this is what Shell Sonnen said via Sports Keedy. Paul does his boxing in Showtime. Showtime hosts Bellator. It's the same people. The same people Jake is working with for marketing, for PR, for production with boxing are the same folks at Showtime that represent Bellator. Not to mention the perfect opponent right now for Jake is Dylan Danis, who is under contract with Bellator. So that would be a strong leading candidate. Daniel. Do you agree with Shell Sonnen that Dylan Danis would be the perfect opponent for Jake Paul in his MMA debut? Oof, I'm going to have to agree, man. I'm going to have to agree. I, I just, you know, when I look at the Bellator roster and I think of a fighter for Jake Paul, it's not a guy that's currently ranked in any of the Bellator divisions, right? I don't want to go and put him in there with Michael Page yet in a mixed martial arts type fight. Although there probably wouldn't be much difference between a mixed martial arts fight with Michael Page and a boxing fight. So maybe you do do that. But honestly, I think that's a good call by Jail. I mean, because Dennis and Jake Paul really have beef, they uh, talk a lot of trash to one another and they would sell the fight. I think that's the right debut fight for Jake Paul. Do you agree or disagree with this? I would disagree. Who do you? Who would you put? Who is the best possible first opponent? For Jake Paul and MMA Cage. 
I would find a striker. I wouldn't find a grappler. You're okay. You're right. You're right. You would find it because you put him on the ground. Dylan Dennis is probably going to tap him. I mean, yeah. I mean, if I'm Dylan Dennis and I'm fighting Jake Paul in MMA fight, my mentality is get this fight to the ground as quick as I can. Like, so if, if, I'm Scott Coker, I'm Mike Kogan, I'm Jake Paul and all of Jake Paul's people. My thought is, who is the guy that we just feel like would sit there and have a stand-up fight? Now, is that 185? Is that 205? I want to say box is like 190, 195, somewhere in that range. So, like, to me, I, and but unfortunately, I was just like looking at the Bellator middleweight uh, roster. I'm like, damn, all these guys can grapple. <laughs> so, I would do a two. There's two fights I would possibly do. First, I would do CM Punk. CM Punk, are you around? Can we get you in the cage, CM Punk? I okay, feel probably. like CM Punk might be available. Yeah, I think so. He, he likes to get in fights, apparently. Uh, here's the other one. You know, Bellator's a working deal with 1FC. I don't know what the status is of this guy, but we haven't seen him in a while. But what about Sage Northcutt? Ooh, that's a good That's a good one. That's I, I, I like that one. Yeah, maybe I'm gonna disagree with Shale now that I've come up with the Sage Northcut fight <laughs> because I, I, because yeah. the thing about Dan is it's attractive is that's a marketable fight. He also isn't super developed as a mixed martial arts fighter, but he has really developed in one particular area that could really stop the Jake Paul train before it even gets off the tracks. You're, you, you are right to bring up that aspect. And Scott Coker did was asked, I don't know, maybe a week or two ago about Dylan Tannis, and he basically says, like, sometimes he goes months and never hears from Dylan, and then he hears from him. But, like, to me, if I'm Jake Paul, Dylan Tannis would not be the other one. Uh, our second agree-disagree has to do with Michael Chandler and his comments on Islam Mahachev. Uh, this was to MMA Fighting Chandler said this, Nothing gets Islam. You say he looks great. You can say he looks unbeatable at times, but he hasn't really fought anybody. That's really the truth. He beat number 14, and he beat Dan Hooker, who was on a three- or four-fight losing streak. Now, people will say, well, one of your wins was against Dan Hooker. What are you talking about? I fought Dan Hooker at a different time. He had just gone 25 minutes with Dustin Poirier, who at the time was the number two lightweight on the entire planet. I'm not saying that Islam's not that good. We can't. We just can't say that he's that good yet. It's premature praise. I disagree slightly. I, I disagree with Michael because I think he deserves the praise because of how well he's performed in his fights. And he doesn't have a long list, Mahachev, over top 15 guys. It's a two-person list. Mm -hmm. But he, the guys he fought in the UFC, you know, in the early part of his career, Nick Lentz, Gleason Tebow, later part of his career, Drew Dober, Tiago Moises, Armin Sarukian. These were talented guys at the time, and Mahachev really, really was dominant in those fights. Dan Hooker, I mean, he fought Dan Hooker in the same calendar year Michael Chandler fought Dan Hooker, so I kind of disagree with that. You know, Bobby Green, again, not a top 10 guy. So Michael Chandler is right in that Islam has not beaten the best of the best, but he still deserves the credit and the praise because with my own two eyes, I'm watching Islam fight. And he's fighting at a completely different level. That's not to say I'm picking him to beat Oliveira, but I think he's justified in the praise he's getting because of how great his performances have been. 
I don't think it's premature praise, as Michael Chandler noted. I mean, the one thing that is a foregone conclusion, this can't be denied, he only has two wins against two current top 15 UFC lightweights, something that you just, a point you brought up there. Of course, he was supposed to fight Benil Dariush earlier this year. That fight does not happen. Benil does not make it the fight night. Bobby Green steps in. Kudos to Bobby Green. Look, I think the other problem is, and and his Islam's manager, Ali Abdelaziz, has, has pointed this out over, over the last year or so. It's like, look, it's not that there's guys that constantly were turning down Islam Mahachev as an opponent. I mean, look, Islam Mahachev, good chances I think he's a UFC lightweight champion at the end of this month. It, but the, the it's kind of like Kayla Harrison in this way is we can see how talented you are, but the resume doesn't necessarily back you up as being the best in that division. Yeah, I agree. I agree with that. The, Kayla Harrison is a great comparison. And I agree that you can't say Mahachev's the best in the division right now. He has an opportunity to do that in a few weeks with the fight against Oliveira. But to me, it's whether or not he deserves the praise he's getting currently. And I do think he does, even though... There are obviously questions with his resume. But, uh, yeah, I think Chandler's wrong. At the end of the day, if uh, Mahachev got matched up with Chandler, the betting odds would have a plus sign next to Michael Chandler's name in that fight. Oh, yeah. And that's not BS. That's not talking out of your butt. That's real money that people would spend. So those odds are going to be right. And those odds are going to be based on the skill level of fighters. So the reality is Islam's really effing good. You know, speaking of Michael Chandler and going back to the conversation I had with Mike Mazzulli on Tuesday, talking about when Chandler was in Bellator and he would drug test Chandler, how Chandler would post it on Instagram. I was like, I, I didn't even remember that. Like, uh, it was, by the way, I, I, great conversation I had with Mike. There was two things that I learned from that conversation. I did not know the fact of if he's not doing the drug tests and he's telling the fighter to go to Quest Diagnostic, that he sends them a QR code for this to send to Quest Diagnostics. And the other thing I didn't realize is the fact that he can drug test a Bellator fighter anytime. I thought that was a really interesting nugget that I learned. Yeah. What did you think the testing protocol was before learning that, that he had? That the fighter had to be licensed by the Mohegan Tribe Department of Athletic Regulations. Because, yeah. okay, yeah. if you, I mean, we're both old school MMA heads here. We've been around the sport for a long time. If you go pre USADA, you remember when Vanderlei Silva refused to take the drug test with the Nevada State Athletic Commission? Yes, and I his do. whole his whole defense was I was not he was not a licensed fighter, so that they did not have jurisdiction to test him. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, it, it was a good conversation. I think what I liked about it was it really shed a light on the process of, of testing a Bellator. And it really took you into what's happening and whatnot. And so it's a hell of a podcast. Listen, you can find it on this very feed. I believe it's on YouTube too, right? Yeah. Yeah, the, the, yeah. the whole interview is up on YouTube. We also talked about a little bit of some of the regu regulation side of this equation. Uh, we did talk about open scoring. Um, I will say this is my takeaway, and I know Mike and other top regulators are, I would say they're not totally for open scoring. But the thing that I get is I think they're opening their mind up to it. What? what why do you think that is? 
I just think that they're willing to listen to people who are for it. Dean Thomas, uh, who was at the ABC commission this year, he is huge on it. He, he believes that this should happen. I just, at the end of the day, and I mentioned this on the podcast, I just don't think Dana White, and Scott Coker want it to me. Dana and Scott are old school guys, and I don't think they want to see this change. Yeah. They're really, when you look at this sport over the past 10 years, there has not been a lot of advancement in like dramatic changes in how the sport happens. I mean, the sport is very close to how it was 10 years ago when you watch the product. Realistically, the biggest difference I can think of is the way fights are scored would be the most dramatic difference in terms of it's now clear cut how you win around when you look at the 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 you know the uh, it's like well this guy had the more effective striking and grappling he won the round well it's it, it's more clear now well and the term that they use is the three D's domination damage and duration yes and I feel like that is the biggest difference of the sport I mean what else can you point to of dramatic differences from from twenty twenty two to twenty twelve the use of instant replay in some jurisdictions good call. It's a hell of a good call. That's another good one. That's a big one. Yeah, you are right. Good call on that one. Early weigh-ins would be another one. Yeah, that is that is another one. But that, yeah. And, you know, still a pervasive problem <laughs> in this sport. But, yeah, you're right. So we have a few, but something dramatic like open scoring, we haven't seen it. And I think that plays to your point of Dana and Scott Coker kind of being old school with it. But now, absolutely, I do think we'll see open scoring at some point with some major promotion. You know, maybe it's PFL that is the first one to I, embrace it. I think PFL would be the first one to embrace it. I mean, I think when you look at how the things that they do in terms of, you know, the quote-unquote smart cage, I, I could see them being open to open scoring at some point. Now, uh, we did talk a little bit about Aaron Pico because it was interesting to kind of get his his perspective as a regulator. Aaron Pico, we all saw what happened there. Uh, I did see earlier today that surgery is going to be coming for Aaron Pico out four to six months. But, man, you know what? I got all the respect and reward for Aaron Pico. He's ready to go out there and fight one arm, bro. Like, I'm an Aaron Pico guy now, man. Like He's like, screw this. I don't need my left arm. I'll fight you one arm. Like, okay, Aaron, you shouldn't fight Jeremy Kinney with one arm, by the way. Yeah, yeah, look, Aaron Pico, you're this amazing wrestler. The fact that Jeremy Kennedy was able to out-wrestle you in round one tells you you should not have been fighting. You know, Jeremy mentioned it in the interview. He's like, this was too easy. So obviously something – that that was the tell for Jeremy that something was wrong was how easy it was on, on, the, on the man in round one. And look, it would have been epic if it was just his shoulder had popped out and he survived and then uh, it got pulled back in. <laughs> And then he won the fight, right? But obviously, after that happened, his shoulder was still completely messed up, and it was the right call by the referee and doctor. Dude, I'm sitting on my couch watching the fights, and I'm like, and my wife was actually watching with me, which is kind of a, a rarity. And I'm sitting, and she's like, "Are they going to let him fight?" I go, I go, I would have thought as Brandon Gibson is trying to. Um, relocate the shoulder i guess the best way to put it like i'm like someone's got I, like where is the doctor is no one just realizing what he's doing yeah and it would have been epic but it wasn't a simple dislocation no. it was 
it was uh or excuse me it wasn't a simple shoulder popping out that would have been awesome because that does happen to people where your shoulders just yeah. out and you just put it back in and you can perform at the same level but it was clear uh, as as soon as gibson locked out he was still trying to shake it into place and it was like oh this is a much more serious injury and all i gotta say bro is like Aaron Pico's got to be the most snake-bitten guy in a long time in this sport. I mean, geez, you got to feel for him because you see the talent level, and he has just had bad luck after bad luck after bad luck in his mixed martial arts career. And all I got to say is I really hope the recovery goes well, and I hope he's able to have the success that his talent level deserves because uh, he's a hell of a fighter, as is Jeremy Kennedy. I got to say, Bellator 286, really good main card. I mean, the main event was kind of boring. But um, the McKee Spike Carlisle fight was effing badass. Dude. What a great opponent for AJ McKee. So when I did my Bellator rankings, I was like, "Where the hell do I put AJ McKee at 155?" Oof. Let me look it up. I I was sitting there going, "Okay, I'm not going to put him in the top five. So I want to say I'm going to pull up my uh, Bellator rankings uh, card up here. I want to say I put him at year seven or eight. Yeah, well, he's, he's eighth right now. I, I, know put, I, only- I put him, so I put him at eighth. So uh, right in front of him, I have Islam Mahadov, then Benson Henderson, Brent Premis, Sidney Outlaw, Usman Nurmagomedov, Alexander Shalby, and Musayev. Dude, honestly, I'd probably put him at number three. Call me crazy, but I would put him behind Usman and Musayev. <laughs> I just I just feel like you put AJ McKee in a fight against Benson Henderson. I'm picking AJ to beat Benson. I, I was thinking about this because I, I watched his interview with Ariel and you know the the I guess apparently only has one fight left on his deal. And I'm sitting there going, if that one fight would then and obviously as a combat sports fan, we all want to see him versus Patricio Pitbull. Pitbull uh talking about that he's open that fight, also interested in going down to one thirty five be to win a title at that division, get a little triple crown there in Bellator, but I'm like, if I'm AJ McKee, if they take a title fight, they're probably going to want him to sign a new deal or potentially could escalate a champion's clause. I'm sitting, if I'm AJ McKee, I'm probably trying to get to free agency and just yeah. seeing, cause I would have to imagine PFL would show him the bag. I don't know how big of the bag the UFC would give him, but I would imagine the UFC would make a big run at him. Yeah. I think the PFL will probably offer him the most money just based on what we've seen. I think I would love to see AJ in the UFC. I think if you're Bellator, if you only have him on one more fight, I mean, maybe you can try and get a fight out of him where he takes on uh, Eddie Alvarez. Maybe you can sign Eddie Alvarez back and do a McKee versus Alvarez fight. That seems like a pretty marketable fight. And if he beats Alvarez, it's not like he uh, beats one of your guys that you really have developed over the past year and a half but yeah I, I think for bellator aj mckee has to be one of your top targets i mean he's one of your most valuable assets i think him and patricio are going to go down as two of the best fighters to have ever fought in bellator really you know he, he's just he's an incredible talent and uh really marketable i mean great personality what i loved about the bellator broadcast was i really liked the video packages they did with him and Aaron Pico, you know, with him, he was eating tacos and whatnot. With Aaron Pico, it was on his ranch. And, man, both those guys really shined with their personality. So, look, AJ McKee is, is without a doubt, 
if he fights out his deal, is going to be a, a big time free agent, you know, similar to Kayla, but probably not as big of a name as Kayla Harrison, but probably a better talent. And uh, it will be interesting to see what they do next with him because, I mean, yeah, he, he's a hell of a talent. And, you know, I think the Spike Carlisle fight makes him look worse than he actually is because I just think Spike Carlisle had that fight style in this fight where he took a lot of risk, which allowed him to have success. But other fighters are going to fight AJ more cautious and allow Mikita to dominate. But Carlisle, I mean, from the very moment that bell rang, it was all caution to the wind, and he was going straight after McKee. He tested McKee, and you could literally see, I feel like you could see McKee smiling. He was having fun in there. It was a nice relief after the, uh, the uh, you know, the cure for insomnia that he had last time out with Pitbull. Yeah. I mean, Pitbull, you know, not the most fan-friendly performance, but goes out there uh, and gets the win. I mean, Scott Coker's already announced they're going to do a lightweight Grand Prix. I mean, A.J. McKee would be an ideal guy to put in there. Who knows? I mean, you mentioned about Eddie Alvarez. You know, to me, it's either he's going back to Bellator or signs with PFL. I got to – like, I just – I got to imagine he ends up – if you told me I got to make a bet where's Eddie Alvarez's next fight take place, my bet would be PFL. Because literally every time you have a guy signing with an MMA promotion, it's the PFL, right? Jason, I mean, look, you can't blame fighters for wanting to do that because it's the place you can go that has a chance to make the most money. Yeah, it's either that or fighting Le'Veon Bell on a Jake Paul undercard. Dude, I got that press. I got that press release today, and I'm like, "What?" I know. I'm I'm looking forward to this F and Jake Paul card, dude. I'm like, I'm I'm into it. You know, Le'Veon Bell and Uriah Hall. You know, watching football three years ago, I never thought the the running back for the Chiefs would be taking on Uriah Hall, but here we are. I remember seeing Le'Veon Bell's knockout of, of Adrian Peterson, and the sound of that knockout was unreal. There's part of me that goes, should we be regulating Uriah Hall versus Le'Veon Bell, even though it's in boxing? Yeah, we should be regulating it. I mean, regulations are important, as we've seen in various sports over the past couple of weeks. Uh, yeah, that should that should get regulation. Um, no, no, no. What I'm saying is, should it be regulated? Should that be approved by the Arizona Commission? Oh, 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 oh. Uh, n- probably not, no. Well, I don't know. It's a tough call because, you know, Uriah Hall's a mixed martial arts fighter, not a boxer. Uh, honestly, I'd say screw it, but it, it would actually have to have an expert give their opinion on whether or not this fight should happen. Speaking on the regulation side, Melvin Gillard, uh, BKFC announced they're booking him for a Colorado event. Um, I was working the phones on that one today, so I think it's a kind of a to-be-determined type situation. On My biggest question is, did the Colorado State Athletic Commission uh, approve a license for Melvin Gillard? Melvin Gillard apparently... Scored an MMA victory uh, back in June in Louisiana. Um, it's not on his topology record, but it's uh, in the uh, registry. There doesn't know what the result of the fight is. The guy he was fighting hadn't fought since 2018, and prior to that, that opponent had not fought since 2015. But since uh, 2014, taking out allegedly what happened back in June, Melvin Gillard is two and 15 with one no contest. Does anyone Stop. around Melvin Gillard care about him? Yeah. Uh, no. Or maybe they do, and he's just not listening to him. Uh, Two wins in eight years, bro. 
Dude, yeah, I felt like Melvin should have retired like 12 years ago from combat sports. You know, Melvin Galar, Bigfoot Silva. Yeah, it's 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 sad, Daniel. That's the that's the only way to describe it. It's sad that you know, uh, and I would love to hear BKFC's explanation of why they are promoting a Melvin Gillard fight. Uh, they probably just play you the Shane McMahon theme song. Money, 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 money. Is it is it really money though? Like I mentioned, mean, I, 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 uh, I got a lot of money. So I tweeted about it earlier today, and uh, Bruce uh, on Twitter, at Gold Medal Dad, he responded to me, he says, he goes, I don't agree with that at all. I hope they end up pulling the plug, especially for Melvin's health sake. He does not have any name value, and what does being a guy that's 2-15 and 15 do? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's tough, man. I mean, we talked about it eight months ago. And here we are once again circling the wagons. And, yeah, he's one of those names where you just don't want to see him in a professional combat sports setting anymore. We just have on tape too much video of him receiving head trauma and his skills have regressed. Uh, by the way, going back to Bellator 286, in terms of the prelims, the name to watch out for is Bobby Serrano the third, highly talented prospect coming out of that California system. Uh, he is someone to pay attention to. Lance Gibson Jr. went through an opponent change. Uh, Got to give him credit there. Uh, unfortunately, we did not see Mike Hamill and Max Roshkoff. Uh, Max Roshkoff was pulled from the event by the California State Athletic Commission due to medical reasons there. And then, of course, on Saturday, UFC Vegas 61 women about Zuckerberg was in the house. Uh, different reactions between Zuckerberg and his wife. If we're going to see some of those screenshots. Uh, but uh, Mackenzie Dern, once again, in a big opportunity. She, she can't get the job done. I got to mention about this quote I saw from Mike Davis, who went out there and got a, a win over Borshev via Nam's decision. So he did an interview with BJPen.com, where this is his quote. I feel like the UFC is really good at replacements, but not good at finding people fights. Getting the initial matchup is hard. Getting replacements is easy. But I had no idea who he was. I only watched his last fight against Mark Casey and knew he couldn't wrestle at all. I was rusty and striking, so just followed Mark's footsteps. Hopefully the UFC will start to treat me like a bigger fighter after this performance. I will probably get harder fights, bigger fights, and stick on the main card or be on the pay-per-view event. But I was ecstatic about how the fight went and getting the win, but I do think it could have been stopped. I'm not looking to fight a named person yet because my pay grade doesn't match up to that. I fight for what my worth is right now. The UFC also won't budge. So... I'd rather fight bums and fight someone who doesn't know what they are doing for what I'm making. I want to finish out this contract. I probably won't resign and see how much I can negotiate and see what I'm worth to them. If I'm not, I'll see what else is out there. So a ton of things to take away from that Mike Davis quote there, Daniel. First off, so I'd rather fight bums and fight someone who doesn't know what they're doing, what I'm making. And then also talk about, I mean, look, but also being smart about this. Find out your deal. See what you're worth. Maybe the UFC throws you an offer that you're extremely happy with. Or maybe you know, PFL comes calling. Yeah, I think it's probably going to be the latter. I mean, Mike Davis just isn't someone I think the UFC is prioritizing to re-sign at this point. 
You know, I mean, he started his UFC career with the tough fight against Gilbert Burns in 2019. Uh, he's talented. He showcases wrestling against his opponent here, and, and he's a good fighter. But I think if he does fight out his deal, he'll probably end up in the PFL um, because usually, yeah, I, I just I don't know if he's a priority for the UFC. And I'm sure if they read these quotes, they wouldn't be too induced. I mean, the UFC, uh, they like to control the media. They like to control their fighters. Mm-hmm. Look at what happened this past Saturday. It was showcasing the power of Dana White in the UFC to just say, hey, media, you aren't allowed in this event. I mean, can you imagine if a professional sports league did something like this where the media didn't have access to cover that event? It would be an outrage and it would be a huge story. It was an okay story, but we kind of moved on. Maybe it's because the fight card kind of sucked. But, you know, if it was a pay-per-view, I think it would have been a bigger deal. Uh, But it is crazy that the media wasn't allowed access to this event. You know, this is an event where I think a lot of information is going to come out on this in the next year because you do wonder if it's more than just Mark Zuckerberg being a fan and wanting a private event. You do wonder if there's negotiations on something between these two companies that happened around this weekend. So that's an interesting thing that, you know, we won't know until news comes out on that. In terms of this fight card, I got to say a few things. First and foremost, uh, Daniel Santos and John Castaneda was a badass fight, bro. Castaneda really good in round one. Santos returns the favor and looks like his training partner, Oliveira, in round two. Uh, the other thing is Sadiq Youssef, really talented. I know he was supposed to fight um, Chikadze last month, and that fight got scrapped. So, obviously, he deserves a top 15 guy. And then lastly, looking at um, Jan and Dern. You know, this is a fight where it was close. Dern won two rounds, and it was pretty simple. Dern was really good on the ground. Off of her back, she was literally able to take down Jan and bring her down. It was impressive. Her stand-up looked good, but there was just a different game between Jan's and Dern's. Jan was just offering a lot of damage with her kicks, with her control of the range, diversity of her strikes. So Dern just isn't at the same striking level. I think for her moving forward, she's got to focus on continuing to develop her stand-up and getting more success with her takedowns. She had some success, but if she had it in three of the five rounds, she would have got her hand raised. Will Lear Latifi retire or unretire in six months from now? Yeah, I think he's probably going to be in the PFL heavyweight tournament because he fought <laughs> his deal, right? That's what he said. That was, yeah. a, that was a nice little win over Olenek he got there. You know, the fight wasn't that exciting, but, you know, shout out to Latifi, who uh, will probably fight Tiago Santos in the PFL finals on pay-per-view next year. It makes you think about, like, you brought this up to me, a, a favorite MMA retirements because we see the Kevin Holland retirement, uh, I don't know, what, lasted, what, two weeks, three weeks, something like that? And he is now headlining the Orlando Fight Night card, which, as I see more and more fights being booked, like, look, if you did not know where that fight card was happening, your first thought would be, oh, yeah, that's a fight card in front of fans. Yeah, let me. See. What's on that fight card? Well, they just see. announced Barbarina versus RDA is going to be a part of that fight card. Uh huh. Um, of course, you got Ooh. Kevin Holland. Kevin Holland uh, going to take on uh, Stephen Warnboy Thompson in the main event. Just saw actually because I was just going to MMA Junkie because I felt they might have the best one. Uh, Frankie Edgar's retirement fight is now set for UFC 281 against Chris Gutierrez. That's a really weird retirement fight. 
Yes, very much so. <laughs> that is that is them setting up Edgar to lose to Gutierrez because they like his leg kicks. So um, he so here's the UFC Orlando fight card. Stephen Thompson, mm-hmm. Kevin Holland, your main event. Derek Brunson versus Jack Hermanson. Tracy Cortez versus Amanda Hebas. Oh, Darren wow. Elkins versus Jonathan Pierce. Matthias um, yeah. Nikolai versus Matt Schnell. Eric Anders versus Kyle Dacus. Mark Casey versus Michael Johnson. Clay Guida versus Scott Holtzman. Uh, Emily, Emily Ducote versus Angel Hill. Brian Barbarena versus Rafael Dos Anjos. Look, if Brian Barbarena is on a fight card, it's probably in front of fans. That's a damn good fight. I'll be, I'm, go, I'm going there. I'm going that card. Yeah, bro. It's going to yeah, be it's, worth uh, it, it's a Saturday night, and I believe uh, we are playing on Monday night uh, that fall, two days later. So, as I recall, I guess I should look up my schedule, but I'm pretty sure that's the case. Oh, no, we play we play on, yeah, Monday night. We're playing, uh, that's when we play the Saints here. Wow, yeah, so it'll be a good weekend for you. That's a good little fight card. Yeah, Man, I've, I've, already, I've, I've kind of already told the boys about it, and uh, one of them has already hit me back saying, all right, got got the weekend pass from the wife. She says it's good to go. That's what happens when you get you get our age day. You got to, you know, sometimes you got to you, you gotta kind of like, you know, hey, honey, um, so, um, can I go to Orlando with the boys to watch the fights? <laughs> yeah, I've been working all week, and I'm also going to see not see you on Saturday. Dude, yeah. there was this video I saw on TikTok. It was a comedian, and he was talking about it. He's like, this is what every married man goes through. Your boy calls you up, and he says, hey, man, let's go out and have some, some beers tonight. And he goes, all right, hold on, man. Go over to the wife. Hey, honey, um, you want to do anything tonight? <laughs> Be okay if I go have some beers with the fellas? Wife says yes. You go back, you pick up the phone. And the kid goes, Of course I go outside. I'm not a pussy like you. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, I said, I said to one of my boys, and I said, I go, This is us. This is clearly us, except we're not making a phone call. We're sending a text. <laughs> yeah. it. Uh, it's funny how the, you know, the more things change, they stay the same from being a child asking your mom or dad for, uh, permission to go over to your friend's house or go over to the mall and you got to ask the uh the significant other for a for a for a free pass to go hang out with the boys for a night is it okay if i go drink with the fellas tonight yeah just be home by 11 you know it's a that's a tough one for mr night night you're a night owl i know you man it's tough for me tough for me yeah, yeah, you, you you like to see you like, like, like to if you up. ask me to be home by eleven, you better hope I'm out at the bar by like seven. <laughs> if I go out like nine o'clock, no way I'm home by eleven. No way. Yeah, yeah. What's your drinking choice, man? Uh, Stella's always been my one. You know what I've gotten drinking to recently? I got that fighting spirit of Modelo in me. I like me oh, some Modelo. Wow. The yeah. advertising has worked. Well, Watching well, all well, these fight cards has worked, man. Well, one of the guys that uh, is part of my Bucks crew, he likes to drink Modelo's. And, like, like I would have a Corona. Like, I can drink a Corona. I'll have, like, I can have, like, two or three. I just can't, like, drink, like, six of them. But two or three, I'm good. And then, you know, sometimes you go to a bar and they don't have Stella. We're all Stella drinkers. And so, usually, Modelo's next one. And I've kind of learned I, I like Modelo. So I actually bought a six pack like a week ago. I got like one of them left, which I, yeah. I always hate to leave one soldier in the fridge. Like you can't leave a soldier behind. 
<laughs> that, yeah. as well, that was what my dad's like. He goes, son, you can never leave a soldier behind. There's one beer left. You just got to drink it. Oh, that's perfect. I think uh, I, rec- I we should do like um, a diet where we can only eat or drink things that have sponsored the UFC. So like you can only eat or drink a, a P3 portable pack of, have, of Mickey's. Have, Remember when they were always sponsored by yeah. Mickey's? Have I told you what I call P3? What's that? Adult Lunchables. You know, you're right. But I got to say Lunchables are better. Never I've never, I've lunch. never had a P3. I, I can honestly say I, I've seen in the stores, but I've never had the thought process of let me buy that. Maybe for the next time, all the fellows are for USC pay per view. I just go out and buy a bunch of P3s. Dude, you should. I, I miss when the USC was sponsored by Corn Nuts. God, you know? remember, when, remember when Condom Depot was a major sponsor? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think that has to be the the most outrageous sponsor I've ever seen. I mean, uh, you know, you, you go and I feel like some people are sponsored by OnlyFans now, but uh, oh, very, oh, L- OnlyFans sponsors LFA. Yeah. John you know, Dotson, uh, when I interviewed him a couple weeks ago, he told me he's got a sponsorship deal with OnlyFans. They know their audience. Oh, yeah. I mean, it, it seems like every week you hear about another female fighter is signing for OnlyFans. I know. I'm just waiting until Joe Rogan gets his OnlyFans. And I don't think Joe Rogan needs to. I think yeah, he's good. Right. I think he's good. He, he's one of those guys who will never stress about a financial decision in his life. I would say this. It would be truly fascinating to know how much a female fighter makes on OnlyFans. That would be tremendous to know. Probably a whole crap load. Depends on how many, how many, like if, if a female fighter, let's just say their UFC contract, let's just say in a 12 month period, they make a hundred thousand dollars. I mean, that's a probably too big of a number. Let's just use that as a a general figure. Is there only fans revenue double that two times that three times, four times? I don't know. I would, I would bet, I would bet it's more. If I I would think at least double, I would think at least double. Yeah. Cause like, let's say you, you know, you put your subscription at like $30 a month, you know, 12 months a year. That's, that's a decent amount of change. And then you look at how many people you get to subscribe. It's a, it's a steady flow of income. And again, you get those people that forget to unsubscribe like me, you know, the only, you know, you, you, you you're a little leech on their bank account. You know? I'm trying, I'm trying. There was something I forgot to unsubscribe to the other day. I hit my credit card. I was like, son of a bitch. Forget what it was. Yeah. Yeah, the the best thing that can ever happen is losing your debit card, which is what I did, and so that just killed all my subscriptions. <laughs> you, you know, you know the subscription my wife loves, and now I know I can't get rid of it. What's Paramount that? Plus. Oh yeah, what, what's on there other than Yellowstone? I think you told me, but she watches the she watches old seasons of the Challenge. Oh yeah, That's you're not a Challenge cool. guy. No, it's my guilty I'm pleasure. Not. Yeah, it's a. Uh, now, no, I'll say the one thing I do love about it is if you do watch a CBS show, like even the like the new seasons, you can go on Paramount Plus and watch them without commercials. So that's, that's a cool. plus. Yeah, because like I, I try and watch stuff on Hulu and it shows commercials sometimes and it pisses me off. Oh, you got to get the Hulu without ads, bro. I do, but like pony pony up the extra money. OK, bro, I just put like $50 down for one of those bundles for that Disney Plus ESPN Hulu bundle. Yeah, we, we have that. It's like uh, we've, we've got the one that's Hulu with no no ads, ESPN Plus, Disney Plus, 
maybe it's twenty bucks a month, maybe. Damn, I got I got hoed. But I think but I think they we're in, I think we're grandfathered into the old price. I don't think um I don't think we're because they raised ESPN Plus not that long ago. I think Disney Plus yeah. raised their price too. Yeah, I'm sure everybody's raising their prices. They they hookered they they got everyone hooked, and now at a low price, and they just bring it up. No, like, oh, whatever. You know, you mentioned about Kevin Holland and uh, his short-lived retirement. You brought this point of favorite MMA retirements, and like uh-huh. you started sending me this list, I'm like, holy crap! Like some of these guys, you just forget about. Because, as I always say, you never believe the R word in MMA. I don't care if it's Melvin Manhoff saying he's retired. Don't believe it because BKFC will come calling. Yeah, shout out to Melvin Manhoff, by the way. What a hell of a career. But, yeah, dude, there are so many great retirements. I mean, literally, just pick a, a legend, and they've returned, right? Chuck Liddell retired, and unfortunately, he came back to the UFC. Tito Ortiz is retired. Cam Shamrock retired. I mean, Hoyce Gracie, I thought that dude was done. And he comes back. Uh, we'll see. We got uh, we got plenty of other Carlos Condit, but I got one retirement that I love because it's the only retirement that ever stuck. Cole Conrad, best retirement in my history. I don't know if you saw Sean O'Shaughty had a big piece yeah. on him. Um, he yes. did one of those big feature pieces that are about a billion words long. I read it all. I read every word. Great article. Um, I can't. I, I'm, like, I'm sorry. Like this, you know, I can't do it. Yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm very to, much more of a video guy. Yeah. I, if, I you, if you if you sat there and gave me a 20 minute profile of Kel, uh, Cole Conrad, I'd watch that. I'm just. I'm not a big reader. I'm. Just, I've never been a big reader. Yeah. Yeah. Well, now he's like working like in dairy, the dairy world. Oh yeah, yeah. He's like, like a milkman. Yeah. He, he's, like, he's, not, <laughs> he's not like a milkman. He. he <laughs> You know, he's, he's like, he's like, it's almost like he's like day trade. He's like trading. Like, I don't even know what the hell he's Yeah. Doing. He's, he's one, one of those guys. Like you talk about what ifs, what mm-hmm. if Cole Conrad never walks away from MMA? He's, you know, he's probably really successful. I mean, they talked about how impressive he was against Brock uh, in this profile. Yeah. Just a real natural athlete. And now he's training wrestlers at, in, in Minnesota somewhere. And he said, Hey bro, I could come back. I could still do it. You know, he's 35 years old. I want to say so, uh, you know, Maybe a uh, Cole Conrad can make one last comeback, but it just, you know, I just he he just was wired differently than others. Yeah, I mean, like you you listen to some other ones, and you're texting me BJ Penn. Oh um, yeah, you know, should have never came back. We we saw how awful that looked. Marlon Morris mentioned him earlier. That retirement didn't last very long. Uh, Gustav's retirement his his retirement didn't last long either. Uh, Misha Tate was a couple of years, you know, when she retired before she ended up coming back. Um, I totally forgot about the Carlos Condit one. Yeah, he retired and he came back pretty shortly after. Matt Brown retired at one point. Uh, I wonder if Jens Pulver ever retired. I know I wanted him to retire, but I don't know if he ever did retire. He probably didn't. There's some uh, of the names that I, I, I forgot about Rashad Evans I and then the fact that he came back. Yeah. Because I mean, he fought on that Eagle, Eagle FC card. I wonder if Frank Shamrock ever came out of retirement. Did he come out of retirement to fight on that Strike Force card or did he never retire? I don't know. Well, that was like the first ba- major strike force event he headlined in San Jose. And that was before yeah. they had TV deal, I would say. Yeah, because that was a three year gap from his previous fight. And I don't know uh, if he it's, did. It's another prime example of why you never believe retirements in MMA. Like, like, look, if Charles Oliver goes out there and beats Islam Mahachev in two weeks, you think that's not going to draw Habib Nurmagomedov out of retirement? Yeah. 
yeah, he definitely will. He definitely will come back. Uh, by the way, he did retire. Shamrock did retire. Okay. Frank did. From the UFC, he relinquished the championship. But yes, Nurmagomedov will come back if Oliveira beats uh, beats Islam. I, but I feel, I feel like Habib is enjoying the I don't have to be, make 155 pounds anymore life. I know, but dude, once you, if you're in the gym every day, I mean, yeah, he's... Dude, I, I got back into the gym, and then I, I, uh, I screwed up my back just doing things around the house. And I'm like, I'm just about to get to the point where I think I'm going to be able to get back into the gym. Because I'm, I'm like, I'm in this, I'm in that, I'm in my 40s, and I'm like, I need to lose like 20 or 30 pounds. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, dude, the gym is amazing. I mean, I love going to the gym. It's good for my mental health. But uh, it's also good for, like, especially as you get up there in age, right? Just staying alive, you know? <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> No, you're you're spot on. You know, you 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 know. Sometimes it can it can take a little while to get this old old man out of bed. Sometimes. I mean, bro, I'm 27, and I I feel worse now than I did when I was 22. You know, I there are, I'm not as fast. You know, I got neck. Bro, I, I'm I'm just gonna tell you this right now, man. If you think hangovers are no big deal, wait till you turn 30. Yeah. Then you're gonna you're, then you're, then you're gonna be like me taking ibuprofens. Make sure you don't have have a hangover the next day. Yeah, I don't. I don't. I that's uh, I'm not looking forward to it because I guarantee you I'll still be drinking then. But uh, you know, I'll take. I'll get. Right, you can you I'm, I'm gonna get done editing this podcast. I might be having a beer. I know. Yeah, I'm going to the gym, but tomorrow, who knows? Who knows tomorrow? It's a Friday night. But by, by the way, uh, did you see Jimmy Smith uh, oh, exit yeah. WWE? What, what's what's going on here? You're, you're the WWE guy here. Is that uh Does that him walking away, or is that WWE deciding to go a different way? I, I saw uh, that on my Twitter timeline earlier today. WWE is going a different way. Uh, they're doing a season premiere starting tomorrow, actually. So they completely redid their broadcast booth. You know, the color guy that was with Jimmy Smith, one of them, is now being an interviewer. They replaced Jimmy Smith with the guy they had on one of their lower level shows who worked okay. up in the company. So I would assume they showed Jimmy the door. But I got to say this. Hats off to Jimmy Smith. He was not hated by the internet wrestling community, which is a testament to the fact that he did a good job. Because the internet wrestling community will sink their teeth in and destroy you at a moment's notice. They did it to Adnan Burke. They did it to so many outsiders that come in. Jimmy came in as an outsider. He survived. He wasn't something that people were talking about, showing and show out. He should be proud of what he did because he did his job well. You know, Here, Speaking of commentators, I just got to say it. The UFC broadcast team is so much better than everybody else in the game. It's not even funny. Yeah. And I'll just say it like this. The reason why I think the UFC broadcast team is the best in the business and I don't know if it's because there's a producer in the UFC that does a phenomenal job of producing the broadcast yeah. because it's like anybody can plug in any role and it's a good broadcast. But this is why. It just feels like you are – you don't think about them very much, right? You don't think the fact that, oh, there's a commentator talking right now. You're just on the couch watching the fights and they're having a fun conversation. And it's just – it's an incredible broadcast. And mm -hmm. if you're a broadcaster, you need to to pay attention to what they're doing because that's all I could think about watching some of these other broadcasts. I mean, you know, the Bellator commentary just isn't great. Um, they the, they the, should hire Jimmy Smith back. They should. They should. I mean, that uh, 
that uh, that broadcast in Ireland was not great. I mean, the poor dude doing play-by-play thought a fight was over when the round just ended, and he did the whole call. And, and, and uh, yeah. Bellator, Bellator, can we get rid of the desk? Or if you're going to have the desk, let's not go to it every goddamn fight. Dude, it's it's annoying. It, and it's like, because they go to the desk and they also show the video. And it's like, it's a lot of time in between fights. And I feel like they only have the desk just to have Josh Thompson on the broadcast. Which is it's just, just, like, just put him in the booth. Just put him in the booth. Yeah. If, if, you know, put him back in the booth. I know. Yeah. I, I, I honestly, just... I, I think what they should do for their broadcast, they should do Jimmy Smith and Kenny Florian, if they can get Kenny Florian. If they can't, Jimmy Smith like and Kenny. Josh Thompson. Yeah, I, yeah, like I, Kenny. Love, I really like Kenny. You know, I, uh, I, I, I love listening to the Anakin Florian podcast. It's, it's one of my favorite MMA podcasts to listen to. I found myself uh, watching or listening to more MMA podcasts over the last couple weeks. What, what have you listened to? Uh, Anakin Florian has been, it's been, they've been in the rotation probably about a year now. Um, co-main events been in the rotation for several years since they started. Yeah. Um, morning combat. I don't catch all their episodes, uh, just cause they're really long. I mean, they're like two hours long. Each of them. I, I catch that one. Uh, Bisbing Anthony Smith podcast. I check that one out. Um, I feel like there's another one. Let me, let me look at the old podcast library. I do. Uh, I do YouTube videos while I exercise. I do. I love the James Krause YouTube channel. Yes, very good. Yeah. Um, Sean O'Malley has a podcast with Tim Welch, which I might listen to an episode like before his fight just to see where his head's at. I've I've seen his stuff on. um, I mean, everyone's the other guy I'm subscribed to is I'm I'm subscribed to Izzy's channel. I I'll listen to uh, McCarthy and Thompson's podcast primarily week of Bellator events because I feel like I'm going I'm going to learn something about the Bellator product. Yeah. That they're going to let yeah. something slip out. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good one. I think that the, but look, if you're going to subscribe to one channel on, uh, on, well, I, there's two channels I love. One is I love the rising channel, the rising channel. They do mm-hmm. like 30 minutes features on like pre fight or, or during the fight. Like I just watched a video where they recap the event that Floyd Mayweather had. It was really good behind the scenes footage, but the number one mixed martial arts YouTube channel is easy. It's anatomy of a fighter. Uh, I mean, that dude did, yeah, did a hell a of a job. job. Yeah. I just watched a 40-minute deal he did on Angela Lee. He did one on Sean O'Malley where it was like a day in the life. And both those videos were effing great. You know, Angela Lee didn't lose that fight via split decision, though. But, uh, yeah, just great stuff out of that channel. My favorite channel on MMA. Uh, John Morgan also has a good uh, podcast that he does with Kid Hathaway. of uh, uh, Ken's one of the video guys over at Junkie. Uh, they have a really good podcast. There's there's a lot of great MMA podcasts. I mean, I know. I mean, look, there's a million MMA podcasts out there. Uh, we appreciate everyone that takes time out of your day to, to download, listen to this episode. Uh, of course, uh, coming up this weekend, no UFC this weekend, no Bellator, no PFL. So uh, a nice uh, weekend to relax. So I think I'm actually going to check out some preseason hockey on Saturday afternoon. Uh, here in Tampa, Lightning got a game, so I think me, me and uh, me and uh, my my buddy Chris, we're going to do a little a little double date Dude. with our wives and uh, go see a little hockey game. Come on, bro! You're the Tampa Bay Rays are going to be playing Saturday, probably, right? Uh, that game will be at uh, twelve o'clock. The Lightning game's at four oh. o'clock, so we can catch both. Hell yeah, I love it. I, 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 I look, I just over the years, like I've just 
grown disinterested for the most part of baseball. Now I'll, I'll watch playoff baseball, but the regular season yeah. baseball, I just outside of you know playing DFS, I don't I don't get too uh, too intrigued with watching baseball. Well, look, I've been a Texas Rangers fan for the past seven years, so it's been pretty hard to get intrigued. But you know, I mean, they've been so bad. But yeah, I mean, a lot of people are like you, but uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to the playoffs. All they got to say is they got to figure out how to get Shohei Itani in the freaking playoffs because that dude is badass. I mean, that is one hell of a baseball player. Look, I do I'll- feel like baseball is more popular now than it was three years ago. Like, I think it's slightly trending upwards a little bit. Like, I think hey, Aaron Judge and Otani are superstars. Look, I'm just glad this whole him chasing for 62 is over. Because stop, interfering. stop <sighs> interfering with my college football watching. That's all I'm saying. Stop. Like, I'm, like, if I want to watch a guy try to hit the home run to, to have the American League record, if, if very interesting how we're just you know totally avoiding the fact that Barry Bonds has the the all time record. We're just avoiding that. But I'm yeah. like, stop cutting into my college football. I'm like, if I want to watch Aaron Judge, I will turn on the baseball game. I'm here for college football. Look, look, Kentucky versus Missouri isn't more important than baseball history. Okay, dude, no. I forget what game I was, I was. I think I was watching the FSU game, and I'm like. No, I do not want a split screen of this. Yeah. Hey, man, it's history. All right. uh, look, it happened against the Rangers, so that sucks. Uh, that really sucks. Like, that's just a fitting way for the season to end. Yeah, my sports teams suck. I mean, the Rangers, the Texans, the Dallas Stars are actually kind of good. But the Rockets, God, I really hope the Rockets suck this year. That's all I got to say. After watching that Victor Wembenyama guy. Ooh, bad boy. That's a bad boy. That dude, that dude looks like a game. That dude looks like the best player in the league already. Doesn't yeah. he? Holy crap. We're going to see a team literally go 0-82 this year. Oh, yeah. There's so – oh, oh. The Thunder are – how can we tank this season? Yeah. The Spurs the or, Spurs and the Jazz or, and the Pacers. Did, did you see uh, Pop the other day say, um, don't bet on us to win the NBA championship? Yeah. Dude, they should do this. This is what should happen. Greg Popovich should be forced to coach a team that's like got talent. Okay, put Popovich in Philadelphia for the love of God. You know, put him in Brooklyn. You know, let, let him coach a talented team because I don't want to see Greg Popovich coach another crap Spurs team. You know what we need to see though. What's that? Can we get Jordan Poole and Draymond Green inside the octagon next oh, Saturday? Oh yeah, I love it, bro. Hey, <laughs> I love how Draymond apologized. You know, yeah, there's a. That was crazy, but uh, I, you know, that's Draymond Green, bro. Why, why do I feel like Draymond land a good right hand? Why, why oh, do yeah. I feel like Draymond's got some power in that right hand? What I wonder is, whenever Draymond retires, is he going to get in a fight with the inside the NBA crew when he's on that team? Oof. You know, is he going to punch Chuck? That, that's the best part of the NBA season come back. I, I get my inside the NBA fix. Can we get it inside the NBA, uh, you know, broadcast or just them calling the games? Or are they scared what Shaq and uh, Chuck might say? I think they're scared Shaq was going to fall asleep because that's nap time. The games? Yeah, I know he doesn't watch them. He, he takes a nap whenever they go to the games and he wakes up and it's time to get back on the air. Hey, look, I'm, 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 I'm somewhat excited for my magic. You know, talk to me about a month from now. Maybe my excitement level will be a little different. Yeah, I'm sorry, buddy. Your team's good, but that Eastern Conference is a juggernaut. But who knows? Maybe you'll make the plan. It could happen. 
I, yeah, I, 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 yeah, the play-in would be a successful year. Yeah, I mean, there's there's about four teams that are kind of in your spot, right? Like you guys, Charlotte, uh, a couple others that are in that, like Washington. You know, you, you guys are chippy. Cleveland, you know, Cleveland's we, better than y'all. By the way, since someone that was asking you this on, on Twitter, I noticed you did not mention your teams, the Aggies. Yeah, it's embarrassing. <laughs> oh god. <laughs> The worst part is at, like we as a FSU fan over here. Yeah, yeah. good, huh? Yeah, the best part of being <laughs> welcome, the welcome to the pain I have dealt with for the last five years. Yeah, it sucks. It's and now, now look, there's no fight this weekend. But if you want to see a first round knockout, just check out Aggies versus that Bama. That's going to be a first round knockout, and we're going to have conversations of whether or not Texas A&M football should just retire. That's how violent. <laughs> hey, look, it's good to be Jimbo Fisher's agent. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, and his and his tax man and everything associated because that's that's one rich man who, uh, I mean, he hasn't put a good offense on the field, bro. He hasn't he hasn't developed a good quarterback, and it's just like what the hell. Look, I'm just saying, if you want to see some fine quality um, entertainment, just uh, watch the Fall Fine Bomb Show when Texas A&M uh, caller calls in. Yeah. They're, they're, Daniel, there's some fans out there that are a little wacko. Yeah, I know. I, uh, the Paul Feinbaum show is amazing. You know, it just uh, there'll be nothing. There's nothing like it. Yeah, it's the last, I, that, that that shows the last people. The last show that still has people that only listen to radio. Dude, when's the last time you actually listened to terrestrial radio? Outside of to- outside of say a sports play by play broadcast. Honestly. I only listen to it when I'm in my work unit. When I'm in my work car, I don't have my Bluetooth connected, so I just listen to the music stations. Okay. But that's it. That's it. You know, and it's it's boring, and there's a lot of commercials, and they're static. You know? Yeah. I'm, when I'm in the car, it's either podcast or Spotify. And the thing is, I don't have local talk radio. Like, the only local stuff I have is literally a politics channel, which I don't care about. Uh, but yeah, our sports is literally just syndicated Fox sports. It's like, I don't like, why would oh, I yeah. care about it? I used to love listening to the Dan Patrick show going to height when I was in high school and the Scott Van Pelt show on Sirius XM. Yeah. I used to love that on my lunch break, you know, but I have, I have a Sirius XM subscription, but pretty much all I do is I listen to play by play broadcast. Yeah. That's the only reason why you want to. I, I rare I rarely like if I'm gonna listen to music I just turn on Spotify or Apple Music that that's it okay that's the Jason has too many subscriptions I've got an Apple yes. Music subscription I have a Spotify subscription because f them ads I have a Sirius XM subscription uh, you're an audio guy you're an audio guy you know it's, it's I really big... should cancel the Sirius XM yeah but it's also a great way for me to go back and listen to our broadcast to see how good they sounded. Yeah, it loved, 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 uh, you know, it's your business, man. It's your business. You work hard to get all 14 subscriptions. So you, pay <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And of course, I feel like I'm in the algorithm of like that thing, that app that's like, you want to get rid of your subscriptions? Here's how you do it. I'm like, yep, I'm in that algorithm. Yeah. Clearly, that Just algorithm give, is this podcast. Yeah, give us your credit card information and we'll get rid of it. It's like, yeah, screw you. 
Exactly, exactly. But appreciate uh, everyone tuning in for this episode of the podcast. Of course, uh, do us a favor, rate, review, subscribe, all that helps out a ton as well. We'll be back next week as we will get you ready for the UFC fight night card, Grosso and Arujo. I know Daniel just cannot wait for that fight card. So we'll talk to you next week here on the MMA Report Podcast. I'm Jerry Petuck, CEO of Radio Influence. I just wanted to take a quick moment to say thank you for downloading and subscribing to this podcast. There are a lot of people behind the scenes here at Radio Influence that work hard to keep you entertained day in and day out. If you'd like to get involved and advertise on this program, or you have some show ideas that you'd like to see us add to the Radio Influence family, please email us at contact at radioinfluence.com. We all have crazy schedules, so the fact that you took time out of your busy day to let us entertain you for a while means a lot. Without you, the listeners, we wouldn't exist. So thank you again for downloading and subscribing to this show. Don't forget to check out RadioInfluence.com to see what other shows we also have to offer. All of Radio Influence's programming can be found on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Google Play, and of course, RadioInfluence.com. 